0: You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Ken Honda. This is the Earn and Invest Podcast.
0: There was a time when I thought having money would make me happy. Often when I was unhappy, when I felt crushed by my workday or feeling the grind of being beholden to someone else's whims, I would daydream about what having enough looked like, whether it be a net worth number or some sort of passive income that would sustain my family and me. What I never did, however, is differentiate between the types of money that was coming in. Was it happy money or unhappy money? Was my money smiling at me Hmm. While it sounds a little hokey, the concept goes well with my theories about intention. Good or happy intentions lead to good outcomes. Bad or unhappy intentions, well, you get the idea. Could the same be true for money? Well, my guest today says it is. Ken Honda is Japan's number one best-selling personal development guru and author of Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. Ken Honda, welcome to Earn and Invest. We were talking in the intro about happy money and unhappy money. And in the beginning of your book, you describe a scenario where someone is with you at a party and you say it's not uncommon for someone in Japanese culture to ask to look at the contents of your wallet. Is that really true? Does that happen in Japan all the time?
1: Uh, around the time there's, uh, um, uh, TV, uh, uh, programs and also, uh, magazine articles, that what kind of celebrities, uh, celebrities wallets, uh, they have. Sometimes, uh, d- d- uh wouldn't you be interested in, um, you know, President Obama's wallet, Justin Bieber? <laughs> and kind of interesting, you know, would, would they even have a wallet? So, uh, there was a huge interest. And what kind of uh, wallet? A uh, big, small, leather, just just card holders. So uh, the people are crazy about that. So um, that's about the time. Not anymore, I think.
0: At the time in this story, you describe this person asks to look at your wallet, and they take a look at your cash, and she wanted to see if the money was smiling at you. What exactly does that mean?
1: I was so confused because I was surrounded by four or five people in a part at the party, and she she was checking something. This is good. This is great. Or this is okay. And she put them all back in and then gave my wallet back and said, uh, "You passed the test. All your money was smiling." <laughs> I said, "What? I passed the test Sounds sounds like a good news." And uh, she said, "So that means you must have made a lot of people happy and received money." And I said, "Wow, that's interesting." And he said, "On the other hand, some people uh, take advantage of other people and, and make money, or they do what they don't like. So the money they earn that way is crying, or sometimes angry in your wallet. And angry wallet, uh, angry money in your wallet can make you miserable. Can bring uh, a lot of fighting energy in your house. So uh, you often fight over money." Because bad energy, um, in your wallet, uh, means bad energy in your house between the couples and also in your hu- household and, uh, and in the workplace too. So uh, in a, in a company, um, that's doing shady business and trying to, uh, rip off, uh, um, old people, for example, even though they are legal, uh, the energy there is not so happy. So she told me about, uh, what, um, money uh, carries certain energy. And I started thinking from that perspective. And uh, I've been really enjoying when I imagine, okay, I think this, uh, this person's money is smiling in the (laughs) world. All this must be definitely crying. So,
0: (laughs) you know, it's a funny concept, because she looked at your money, and she said, this is happy money, because you're making money. And you're also making people happy. But If I remember about your past, your goal wasn't necessarily at some point to make money. You did something that was probably highly unusual for a male in Japan. You stopped working at the age of 29 to bring up your daughter. Tell me about that decision. And is that something that you see in your culture very often?
1: No, not at all. But uh, uh, I really appreciate that. And also, I'm proud that because of my books, I sold millions of copies so uh, a lot of young Japanese men are influenced by my books. So they they tend to have a, a week or two weeks, and sometimes months off for their baby girls and boys. And uh, I did that uh, twenty four years ago for four years, and that was uh, so unheard of. My I shocked all my friends. But actually, in fact, there are some of them who took uh, two months and sometimes uh one year off. Of their busy schedule because they try to come up with some time for their baby for their babies and they forever appreciated me for doing that because nobody tells you that your time is more precious in your 20s and 30s than your time in your 70s and 80s you know for people in the 70s if, if you take one year off not much drama yeah. but from your 29 to 30 or like 25 to 26, a lot of dramas. You know, meet you meet new person, new job, and a lot of things happen. So if you can dedicate your one year for your family, that really changes everything.
0: I feel like you came to this knowledge probably after you had left your job, right? Because you didn't start writing the books until after you left and were taking care of your daughter, how did this epiphany come? How did you come to this conclusion and realize, for instance, what you just told me—that those years later on aren't the, don't have, in a sense, almost even the
1: same value as the as the younger years? So I was smart enough to uh, ask good questions. So in my twenties, I since I was twenty, um, I started asking good questions to uh, adults. So when my wife and I found that uh, she was pregnant. I just ask around people who are in their 30s and 40s and 50s, what is the most important thing about child raising? Like, you know, to protect self esteem of the baby or just spend more time or just teach English or I don't know, stop musical, you know, um, training or whatever that is. What would you regret? And I thought like 10 different answers from 10 different people. And what's amazing is that. 10 people said exactly the same thing to the words They said, I wish I spent more time together. And uh, I asked them, what do you mean by that? And they said, it doesn't really matter how I spent it, but I wish I spent more time. Uh, Because I was busy doing something for work and for the family. So I couldn't, I, I just don't remember. I spent even... A few minutes with my newborn baby. So I want to buy back my time. You know, um, that person was in, in his fifties. Uh, he was a millionaire. I, and I said, how much would you pay? Huh. Uh, he, he said, I'll probably pay a million a year. Wow. Million dollars a year, <laughs> you know, and then, mm, that means like that must mean a lot. Uh, and he, and he said, imagine if you become a millionaire in your fifties and then, um, god or devil shows up and and and, and offer offers you a, a trade you know do you want to buy back your one uh one year um right after your baby is born without million dollars and if you have say five or six million dollars or ten million dollars don't you think you're willing to spend one million dollars to buy back your time and I said if i have a lot of money yes i i would and uh, he said that that's exactly what you should do, you know one year maybe too exaggerating, but a month would be good enough. So I was planning to have a month, but after about a month, I started thinking very slowly, and then I, I couldn't get back to this busy mode, so my original one month uh maternity leave um uh, became four four years
0: hmm. now at the time. The job you left was not as a writer. You were not a person who is writing about money. No. How did
1: that all come about? So I was doing consulting and also accounting. So I started my business when I was 20. So I started very young. Uh, my father was a very successful tax accountant. So he started teaching me about money since I was five or six. So by the age 15, I knew a lot about money. I, I wanted to become financially independent by the age 30. So I started my business and I helped a lot of clients. Uh So I never worked for anybody in my life in, in a company. So um I started early and finished early. So uh in my 30s, I thought I could work for other people. That's my uh, intention in my 20s. And I was lucky enough to be able to retire with my uh, baby girl and you know, with my wife. So during the semi-retirement for about two years into semi-retirement, I got this vision <laughs> writing a book, which was a bizarre because I was a ma- law major student and, uh, um you know, I did my job was accounting and consulting, now, far from writing anything, but I got this vision kept coming back. One time I just did a s- self-score of uh how probable I- you can be a writer. mm mm-hmm there's a checklist of 20 questions. Like when you were a kid, did you know this? And, and, you know, can you read these characters? Do you know these words? I didn't know, no, no, no. So I ended up scoring zero of becoming an <laughs> author <you> know, <laughs> because I, I had no skills. I had no education. I had no background. Oh, the only thing is I had passion about books. I loved books. That's the only, but it didn't say in, in the 20 questions. So even though I scored zero. But my passion of sharing this information was big. And so I started writing uh I think three years into semi-retirement and started uh um giving away my essays, about 26 pages, you know, about uh stapled copies. All my friends loved it. So um and they said, uh, can I have five more copies? And I said, Okay. So every day. Now I was stapling my, you know, booklets, which was my joy because somebody loves my writing, you know, which is amazing. My self-image was so low after, you know, changing diapers and doing nothing. Uh, so I was so happy doing that. And one time uh, I got uh, sore hands because of stapling every day. Uh, and I was complaining about that. And, uh, and my friend said, why don't you hire a printer? Which I did. And instead of, uh, I wanted to have like 300 book, uh, copies or 500. He said, you know, we do only minimum of 1,000. I said, 1,000? I don't need that many, but he said, that's a minimum. Okay. And just, I unwillingly signed the contract. And, but he said, he took the uh, uh, sheet of paper away from me and said, sir, actually, look at these numbers, 3,000 copies. Uh, if you print that number, cost, per, um one booklet goes like one third. And it costs like, uh, five dollars to print. But now it's like dollar fifty or something, like three thousand copies. Good deal. So I signed the contract <laughs> and I did it. he didn't tell me intentionally how many boxes it would be. So two week, two or three weeks later, two trucks came in, in, in front of my apartment. And started unloading and I asked him, what are these? I thought my neighbor is moving in. <laughs> and then it was my booklet. Oh my God. And uh, I just gave him a tip and just uh, give me 30 minutes. I started to take a lot of things away from my um, room and then I put everything in. And, um, so I, I try to come up with a good excuse for my wife. I know when I walk back, there's these boxes, but it's my boxes. So it doesn't work. So I said, I apologize sincerely, I'm so sorry. I, you know, this guy said 3000 is cheaper. So I signed a contract. Uh, is that okay? I just, I promise, you know, I just give away all the, just booklets because my, my friends loved it. So, uh, in three months and she said, one month, either boxes out or you out. (laughs) And then I started calling, you know, my friends, you, you like my book? Uh, you know, my writing, do you want 100? Okay. I'm going to send you 200. I just give away. And then after a few weeks, I got, uh, so many faxes. So, you know, long, many, many years ago, there's, there's a machine called fax machines. So I got so many orders, uh, of free copies. And then I printed another 3000. This time I was smart enough to uh, rent a storage unit for that. And then I printed another 5000. It was such a joy to share what I knew. And by the time I gave away 100,000 copies, which was a little crazy. You know, I was, I was uh, so uh, crazy in so many different ways. You know, if you don't work for four years, something does that to your psyche. And so, uh, I print, I gave away a hundred thousand copies. And the publisher called me, and they asked me to write a book. And the rest is a history. I published more than 200 books and sold about almost 9 million copies now. So we are going to talk
0: about what's in those books, the five steps to happy money. But before we get there, I'm really interested in this idea that you did the scoring on being an author, and you scored zero, right? But you said something Uh, to the extent of, but because I had the passion, uh, I was able to do it you know, at the end of your book, Happy Money, you say, do what matters most and let the money support you. And that's kind of what you did, right? You said, this is my passion, I'm going to do it. But is that option open to everyone? You know, I'm thinking of people who are living hand to mouth and don't have enough money and are just struggling to make money doing what they do every day. Or maybe people who want to be an author like you, but try to write and no one wants to buy what they write. Um, is that really an option to kind of do what gives you passion and and the money will follow?
1: So I, I wrote a national bestsellers uh, about, about 10 years ago. Uh, the title goes, do what you love and make sure money follows you. And in that, uh, doing what you love is not all. It's about 20% of the whole thing. The rest, 90%. You have to set up a system. You have to work systematically on what you love if you just you know follow your heart and do, and do it for two days it doesn't bring in any money because you have to go beyond uh amateur level you know you have to go beyond professional level you know and and then uh either you're cooking you're singing you're counseling coaching whatever that is people don't pay you uh if you're not good enough so you have to be much much better than just being good or ordinary so that means uh, you have to find something that is that you're truly truly passionate about so you don't care how many years it takes uh, or how much how much ever it takes to, to to finish it. My dream of becoming an author in English uh, it took me 19 years I, I I had a dream about 2000, uh, 2001. Uh, or or, or uh, almost like last millennium, right? And then uh, my English book came out in nine, uh, twenty nineteen. So it took me eighteen years or nineteen years. So your dream may not come true in two seconds. It takes time.
0: All right. So let's then talk about the five steps to happy money. Maybe this is the pathway to some of those dreams. Step one is to shift out of the scarcity
1: mindset. Mm-hmm.
0: Is the scarcity mindset the human default? I mean, is that just what we all have to start with?
1: I think so. Like, uh just imagine ourselves in a caveman, uh, cave, I think I should say cave person's age at the time. So there's not much food, you know, there's no fridge. So uh we were all starving and we we're all afraid that predators are going to catch us and eat us. Uh So we were all afraid. So I think being in fear, is just a a survival mechanism, so uh not moving out not or not taking action is uh, the best strategy. I think our ancestors are the ones who were so coward and didn't come out of the small cave or didn't come down from the trees all those uh like uh people who are like Steve Jobs type of uh, risk takers they took an adventure. And then they never return because curiosity kills, (laughs) I think, a cave people. We are the, so we are the, the descendants of a coward people. That's how we survived. So in, in, in deep our conscious level, taking actions and making a change could be a potential danger. So that's why we are afraid of making changes. So that's in our system. So, um, we have to be aware that's our default, but. Also we are the ancestors of risk takers we you know we took thousands of miles uh trip and then uh we uh we just sailed around uh, uh, hundreds of miles uh, from nowhere and then a lot of people must have died but we are the descendants of a proud you know risk takers so we have a a mixture of both and in order to shift out of the scarcity mentality is that you have to really see Abundance everywhere. So, um, for example, when I became an author 20 years ago, people said, Oh, people are not going to read books. You know. Sorry. It's a bad timing. You know, nobody's reading. And, you know, this, this little machine, you, you can read it, uh, online. So nobody carries, uh, uh paper books anymore. And there was partially right because, you know, the, the whole sales of books are diminishing, but. I sold, uh, including my booklets, 10 million books have been read by people. So they were not, r- um, right about people don't read books anymore. So I think, uh, when you come in for, uh, I don't know, whatever the, the job is, you know, people would say you come in too late. You know, you should have come in 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or like two years ago, if it's an uh, IT business. But I think they're wrong. You can start your own field. So um, I think uh, by having the mentality that there is a space for me. Because what's interesting is that people are attracted to other people who are passionate, generous, kind, and fun. Uh, so I think it's the same if you it's a uh, restaurant business or florist or masusu or a teacher or doctor. So I think uh, you're high energy. Your happy energy attracts more business,
0: so let's talk about what I think is probably one of the side effects of a scarcity mindset, this idea of money obsession. Mm-hmm. You say in your book, money obsession cuts off our potential for a great life. Why? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because you know, uh, we try to go uh, the short, short we try to get take a shortcut. Usually, shortcut is not fun. It's fast. But you can't see much you know uh, if you uh fly from uh, point a to point b, you can probably travel fastest, but you don't get to see so so much in between if you if you go drive, you can see a lot, but still you can enjoy if you if you walk, you see the flowers you see you know people you have a chat and you see uh, trees and, um, and meadows and you get to see so many beautiful things so life is to be enjoyed not you know go to the shortest cut if you want to have a shortcut i think you should die today so you know you can end end your short life so uh life is uh um full of dramas and uh both positive and negatives and if you are uh okay with the, uh, either ones your life will be full but we try to go the uh, the short uh, shortcut. Uh, people ask me, uh, "How can I make money? How can I me? How, how can I become a millionaire in the shortest time of, of your life?" And I said, "I can teach you, but it's boring. You know, if you just if somebody you know wires you a million dollars, um, that's boring. My first million dollars was uh, full of uh, uh, hardships and also full of tears and uh, sweat, and that is uh, the the most memorable." And also a fun time of my, of my life. Because I was not really sure if people loved me, uh, loved what I do. And uh, the, the second person, the third person, believed in me. And I was so touched. And uh, we formed a team. And we were not really sure. But a lot of people showed up. So there's a lot of drama. So I hope you enjoy the process of finding what you love. And testing the waters. And then finally... Uh, Gets celebrated by so many people.
0: Step two of the five steps of happy money is to forgive and heal your money wounds. You <clears> were talking <throat> about the cavemen a little while ago when we were talking about the scarcity mindset. How far do these money wounds go back?
1: <laughs> I think for now, uh, you can focus on your childhood. When I was seven or eight, I wanted a m- mountain bike. My parents said, that's too expensive. You know, that's too early for you. Like, I I got I felt like I was completely denied because, you know, I was seven. I thought I was already an adult, you know, how uh, boys feel. So I, I got really hurt in so many ways. I wasn't worth it. I wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough. Like I, I thought I was judged by my parents. And in fact, we, we had money. So uh, that was not the part of it. But I was denied for a dream bike. And I'm sure many of us have been denied for our dream summer camps and the bicycles like me, ballet lessons, soccer lessons and swimming lessons or, or, uh, or, and it's interesting, you know, younger generation, they want different things like PlayStations and Nintendo Switch, whatever that is, you know, we are often denied because it's too expensive for you. So that her is still with us. So when we want to uh, do something new, i want to quit my job and start my own business and uh, this scarcity uh money scar is tells us no you can't make it because you're not worthy you're not worthy of doing it you know you you cannot do it because it's too expensive for you you cannot do it so uh, unless you heal what happened in your past you feel like money is hard to get uh, and uh, for uh, happy people money comes right in uh, the second you want it. And then it goes out. Uh, it's like a smooth uh, flow. It's like health. You know, you eat a good amount and then release a good amount. But for a lot of us, when money comes in, we hoard it. And then we try to eat, 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 and then refuse to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hold on to the money I had in my system. But when you think of health, that's so unhealthy. You have to release it in order to enjoy the next food. But when it comes to money, most of us are living the life of eating, 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 and and never release. That, and that's not fun.
0: You mentioned this idea of healing your wounds. Um, it makes me think of forgiveness. And, and maybe not just you, but but the generations before, right? Because I, I get the feeling that some of these money wounds come directly from our parents who yes. themselves are suffering from their own money wounds.
1: Exactly. And, and, and uh, I've done a lot of money counselings all over the world. And I often deal with people, uh, whose grandparents were born and brought up in the Great Depression era. And think about it. It's 1930s, like 90 years ago. And, but the, the money scars that, uh, your grandparents, uh, experienced as a child, uh, as children, it was passed on to your parents' generation. And then you, it makes sense when I do a money counseling. To ask uh, what your parents' background and 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 uh, your grandparents' background, and I can sense why the reason why you cannot uh, leave your company that you're working for and start your own business is that you are so scared because of this uh, money scars that happened to your grandparents eight years ago. And then he goes, "It doesn't make sense," but I feel it's true. So and then after just uh, appreciating uh, your parents and your grandparents for uh, giving giving you the scars or uh, to make sure that you're safe. They didn't do it to punish you. They did it. So they make sure that you're safe. So in, in my counseling, I just tell my clients to do this ritual. Thank your parents. Thank your grandparents. and And ask for a guardian. Instead of just uh you know protecting them, and so instead of just protecting uh, not to do anything new, you know just protect me if I just start doing this, and uh, this they can get out of the scarcity mentality very soon.
0: We are talking to Ken Honda about the five steps to happy money. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A dot That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. Let me reintroduce you. We we're talking to Ken Honda. He is Japan's number one bestselling personal development guru and author of Happy Money, the Japanese art of making peace with your money. You mentioned the term money flow, Ken, and this reminds me of step three of the five steps to happy money. Step three is discover your gifts and get in the flow of happy money. First and foremost, and I get this question all the time, how do we discover our gifts? And it, I think it comes down to how do we know what our purpose is?
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, oftentimes you you find it difficult to do certain things. And uh, by the end of the day, you feel so tired. Oh, that was a tough day. And on the other day, you know, you after working uh, 14 hours, you feel still feel energized. And then... Oh, that was so fun. You know, I can just start working another 14 hours. You know, uh, I'm a little exaggerating. And, uh, Dr. G, I, if uh, my observation is correct, I, 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 I think you love talking with patients, right? Definitely. And they sometimes you go uh, deep, uh, into the conversation about their childhood or young time. And, and when you just realize, oh, you have to go to the next person, right? So I think your gift is in uh listening, uh, deep listening, and I, I, I should call it soul listening. So people are heard at a soul level, which is uh, such a rare gift. Uh and um so all your patients uh must have been so happy to find you as their doctor because not, uh, unfortunately I think it's not in the US or uh Europe and Japan. Not many doctors are educated in active listening so they said okay this is your diagnosis and see you in two minutes <laughs> you know so uh, very in you know, a short it's not even a human uh connection so uh when you feel that deep connection with patients you feel like oh that was beautiful and that's when you actually are finding your gifts and you must have received so many comments dr g you're so incredible thank you so much for my being my father's you know doctor and as uh, compliments like that tells you that you have a gift in that they probably didn't uh, say I'm so glad that because you're so uh, intelligent you graduate from certain university I don't think they mentioned that they mentioned about who you are so that's when you find out that you where your gifts are so uh the next step is like if you can just uh improve your gifts and make it outstanding so people are starting to pay but uh, you have to acknowledge it acknowledge what you have and protect it because your gift is just a newborn little sprout and a lot of people you know, especially your parents and and your uh, your spouses come come up and say oh uh, that's a weed and they try to just stick it out so you have to protect it
0: I like this step, step three, because you talk about the flow of happy money. One is figuring out your gifts, but then you talk about getting in the flow. And I'm wondering, you know, is money an energy source? I mean, when you talk about it, I almost feel like it's electricity. Like there's this thing around us that's carrying
1: us um, to and fro. Do you see it as an energy source? Yes, exactly. Because uh, whatever you give out as energy, it comes back. So one time at my retreat center, um, there's this six year old girl asking me, Ken, is everything around in this room all yours? And I said, in fact, yes, I bought everything, you know, in, in this room. I bought this curtain. I bought this flowers. I bought this sofa, uh, because somebody did a great job. So I, I, I tend to buy handmade uh, stuff because, you know, I, I can really feel the energy. So I was telling, this little girl, you know, a lot of people pay me uh, happy money. So with that happy money, I bought all these uh, happy goods. So I'm surrounded by happy energy. It's not fun. And she said, that's that's sweet, is <laughs> what she said. So if you're surrounded by good energy, as a result of servicing other people, good energy, you, re- you receive happy money and then buy happy goods. So you're surrounded by happy energy. And that's the beauty of life. And if you just uh, um, let, uh, if you start letting money flow in.
0: It's interesting you say that the way you do, because happy money, happy flow in, but also this idea that it has to continue flowing, right? So happy money has to flow out. You know, lots of gurus out there tell you that frugality is what you need to do and that you shouldn't be spending money. Do you disagree with them?
1: It's up to them. If if your money container is small, you can spend less money. If your money container is big, you can just uh, earn more money and uh, spend more money. For example, you know my income is much much higher than supporting uh, three of us, my wife and my daughter, and so I'm supporting uh, a lot of other families by my personal basic income. So I support them uh, in ways that uh, they can get their life together and then start, you know, just doing something else. So I I don't need the income uh, as much as I earn, but the income I receive can be used for other people too. It's up to you. You know, if you are uh, destined to have a small money container, you probably live like a monk. And if your money container is big, Friend of mine has a uh, 10,000 employees in his company. It's because his money container is big. So he, he gets, he generates millions of dollars and then uh, millions of dollars are paid as a salary. So we all have a purpose. We all have a, a role in a society. Most important thing is finding your own seat is super important because we tend to find a seat in the wrong section.
0: It's an interesting idea. And I think that goes well with the fourth step of the five steps of happy money, which is trust life. And that almost sounds passive to me. And I feel like we've been having a very active conversation about what you can do to have happy money. Tell me about trust life. And you say specifically, it can't coexist with fear. Elaborate on that for me.
1: When we think of future, does that make you feel uh, welcome? and unhappy, or when you think of future, do you feel in anxiety or do you feel fear? It depends on which fear, uh, which uh, future do you plan to have? If you feel like you're welcome, you're excited, and you you can't wait to see your future, you imagine subconsciously your future will be fun. And if you're in a fear mode, survival mode, or worry mode, that means your future will be miserable. Your future will be full of money worries and money-related stress uh, because you're kind of expecting that future. So it, it, just imagine two doors. One, a lot of fun. One, a lot of tough, tough things. Which one do you want to open? And unfortunately, a lot of people want to open. I don't want to open this. I don't want to open this and open the <laughs> and, yeah, fearful doors because that would lead to another fearful doors. So, uh, when you are in a trusting mode, either it might come out as a negative thing, uh, like sickness or like, you know, bankruptcy or whatever that is. It could be bad. It could be good. But if you can think of this life as a learning kindergarten, you know, time can enjoy both positive and negative. So if you're in that state of mind, you can enjoy your next step. So whatever comes next, you can enjoy it. Could be positive, could be negative. Let's see what happens. Life is half positive, half negative. You know, I, we cannot change that. And, uh, we don't have to change the way we feel because it's not natural. So some people try to uh, force you to think positively, but, uh, things are half positive. Things are half negative. It's a, na- it's a law of nature. So I think it's, it's, it's easier for us to adapt to this nature. Enjoy both. You don't have to label it, you know. You don't have to unlabel uh, uh, it and label back. And and if you have that mentality, you can enjoy both. That is trust in the future. It's not expecting the best to happen every day, which is unrealistic.
0: One of the ways to trust and enjoy the future is to take step five, which is to say "arigato" all the time. For people who don't know. And us English speakers, tell me what Arigato actually translates into in English and why is this important?
1: Arigato means uh, it's hard, impossible to be or impossible to exist. That means like one in a million. So uh, the chance that you invited me is such an Arigato thing because you could have chosen somebody else, but you found me. And so that is something that uh, I, I want to appreciate because you had enough trust in me that I'm good enough. I hope I was good enough for your show. And then, uh, you think I was the right fit. So the trust I, I had from you without meeting me is big. So that's like impossible. So impossible thing is keeps happening. That is what I think a miracle. So when you, uh, uh When you feel what comes next is a great thing uh what no matter what you can enjoy it. I can just um, uh share a quick story of my student's uh, student in my seminar. He was riding a bicycle one day and he was supposed to turn right, but somehow he 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 turned left and then he got hit by a huge truck uh Luckily, he just broke his leg and then he had to be hospitalized in three months. Is this good luck or bad luck? Probably about luck, but during the three months uh, period he was in the same room with this guy, and they became very close friends and they you know they were just um, uh, be- became very close and one day his uh hospital mate got a visitor and uh, his niece and this student and my fell in love with this niece and then she got married so uh it's a good luck uh, bad luck. Good luck so far, and I haven't seen him for a year, so I don't know what happened after <laughs> that. He might come up and say, "Can you know what happened? You know, we got a divorce," or he may stay happy. So, but the fact that he turned left changed his destiny. And then at the time of marriage, he was very happy. By the way, when he turned left, but after five years, he may find it terrible. I wish I I turned right, so I, I didn't meet her, <laughs> or uh, after that. He might end up being another person or another incident. So life is a full of uh, dramas. So we don't need to judge if this is good, this is bad, because it's just a sequence of experiences. And if we just see what's happening next, and uh, we can enjoy both, I think uh, that is trust in life.
0: The interesting thing that I think after reading this the first time, I did a little bit of a dub- double take is this idea that we should be saying arigato when money comes in, but we should also be saying it when it comes out, when it goes out. Why yes. is
1: that important? Because we get something in exchange for money, uh, like at the restaurant, you know, uh, we're, not, we're not giving money. We, uh, we receive food and services and hospitality uh, in exchange for the money. So we can give that money to the, the cashier or the t- a waiter, a waiting person in appreciation for the services. And this, uh, think of the electricity bills. We are complaining about, you know, expensive uh, electricity bills, but uh, without this, we cannot heat uh, our hot homes and we cannot use the internet. And we cannot uh, read books at night. So there are millions of reasons to appreciate for the services rendered. So. Can you feel the appreciation how many people were involved in installing electricity uh, in your house? So when you start appreciating everybody, the servicemen and the person at the uh, power plant and probably the tanker operator who brought uh, oil from Middle East or whatever that is, if you can feel that we are uh, living um, in the flow of uh, people's chain, a lot of people's work. So, uh, without us knowing, we are uh, already connected globally. So, once we know, we are not living alone. I don't like the word self-made millionaire because nobody can become a self-made millionaire. We are all connected. So, once we feel the appreciation, and I think money will be um, spent out of appreciation. So we've been talking the five
0: steps to happy money. Step one is shift out of the scarcity mindset. Step two is forgive and heal your money wounds. Step three is discover your gifts and get in the flow of happy money. Step four is trust life. And step five is say arigato all the time. It kind of makes me wonder, as we get to the end of this conversation, do we overstress the importance of the money itself? I mean, is the money the important thing here?
1: I think the goal is forget about money. So money becomes air, uh, if you have enough. So money is, uh, uh, ice, icy things, you know, when you're living in a cold war, uh, place, you know, uh, money is frozen. So you get uh, fro- frozen bites and it's pointy. So money is dangerous when it's frozen. And when it money becomes water in a um, mild uh, environment, uh, you, you, still, you need management. You have to make sure there's enough. If it's too much, it becomes flood. If it's too little, it becomes drought. So you have to be pay, you have to pay much attention. But when it, money gets heated up and be, evaporates, it's air. So we don't complain our neighbors are sniffing more air. <laughs> you know, there's enough. So, uh, I don't think of money in, on, on d- daily life. When I pay taxes, like, uh I, I wow that's a big number uh, and and then I appreciate because i uh the reason I'm paying so much taxes is that i I earned so much money you know happy money came in in my life in such a big way I try to come up with uh, all the faces and 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 people who pay me happy money so that's a time when I just think of money but in on everyday life, I use credit cards and my people can take care of the bills uh I don't see money. In everyday life, but because I'm, I know that in a huge way, uh, beautiful energy comes in and beautiful energy moves out. So if you have more than enough and if you make more than you spend, you don't have to worry uh, about money for the rest of your life. So I hope all the viewers and listeners, if, if you (laughs) want to know more about money, I think the goal is to forget about money. And if, if you start focusing on what's more important, The money, I think you passed the money test.
0: In the U.S. right now, there's lots of excitement about this idea of hitting financial independence at an early age, like you did, right? And retiring early. I'm wondering your thoughts about retirement, because in your book, you almost never mention it. And it almost seems beside the point.
1: Yes, because, uh, you know, what do you retire for? Do you want to retire for recognition? Do, do you want to retire that you want to show off your, what you have? <clears throat> retirement could be very boring. So I was, uh, I, I had the happiest time because I had a baby, but if I was, a, if I was a single guy, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't retire because it's too boring. You know, it, I, it, I retired it's because of uh, a precious time. It, it was a time of nesting for my family, but I, I'm not planning to retire soon. So uh retire when you're young and then go back to work and work uh for the rest of your life. I think that's uh the ideal life. So don't retire if you like what you do. But you can retire for a few years for your baby babies or your for your loved ones because nesting is very important. Uh your life will be built on the basis of, of that nest, nesting. So uh retire is not necessarily the most important thing. I think most important thing is after re- little retirement, what are you going to do to fulfill your life, fulfill your soul? I think it's more important than just retire young and play golf all day, unless you're a golfer. <laughs>
0: Well, Ken, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. What I really take from this conversation is this idea that if we do what matters to us, happy money will flow in because it will be supporting us doing what matters. And then if we spend on things that are important to us and let that happy money flow out, we eventually won't have to worry about money at all. And I think that's really the purpose I wanted to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life. And specifically, if people have questions or want to follow up with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: So I feel so shy about doing this in English, but now I'm coming out of uh, this small hiding place. And uh, I started English community called Arigato Living Community. You can find all the information at KenHonda.com. I, um, I do a sharing and a Q&A every month. Um, depending on the time, sometime for North American audience, North and Central South American audience, sometimes for European African audience. But I do that once or twice a month. So uh, you can ask me any questions. And, uh, um, that is a community. And, uh, I start teaching, um, outside of Japan. So I hope one day I'm going to meet you in person and just, I want to listen in uh, all your incredible stories of happy money.
0: Well, the book is Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. Ken Honda, thank you for coming on the Earn and Invest podcast.
1: Dr. G, thank you so much. That's such a great honor for me to be uh, spending time with you. Thank you. Arigato.
0: Arigato, and that's a wrap. Earn and invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. I recently did a sub stack on this idea of purpose. and Whether you googled your name, would your sense of purpose be clear? If someone was to go on Google, put your name in, would they get a good idea of what your purpose in life is? The reason why. I asked this question is, a bunch of months back when I was at the Bogleheads conference and I was being interviewed by Christine Benz, we were talking about purpose. And one of the ways that I really connected to my sense of purpose and identity, how I knew being a writer was really important to me, is I googled my name and under the subheading it said writer. So in other words, Google had identified me as an author or writer, and that felt so good deeply down inside. And it made me think of all of you out there in our community struggling with what purpose and identity mean in your lives. When was the last time you Googled your name? And when you did, did a sense of purpose that you connect with come up? Now, clearly not everyone is on Google. We don't all live our lives that out loud. But I guess I would ask the same question. If you went to your family and friends and said, what is my sense of purpose? Would they readily have an answer? And the reason why I ask this is I think if you're intentional and thoughtful about being the person you want to be, that's identity, and doing the things you want to do, that's purpose, it becomes utterly clear to those around you, whether they find that on Google or they know it from spending time with you and interacting with you you become an embodiment of that purpose and identity. And I think that's really our goal. We want people to know who we are by seeing us out in the world, by reading our content, by seeing what activities we get involved with, etc. We want to be an embodiment of those things that are important to us. So go ahead and Google your name, see what comes up. Ask your family. What they see is your identity and purpose. See what they say. And if you're really lost on these things, maybe you want to reverse engineer it and see what the world is telling you. Who does the world think you are? Because sometimes when we're confused about purpose and identity, we're actually living out a deeper sense of purpose and identity. We just haven't connected to it yet. But maybe those people around us or even the internet, an internet browser, knows us a little better than we know ourselves. I think these are important exercises. I think we have to start thinking about the role, purpose, and identity play in our lives, and I think we have to be thoughtful about then pursuing those identities and those forms of purpose. As I've said before many times in my Substack and on my blog, that's jordangrummett.substack.com. We don't necessarily find our purpose, we create it. We do find purpose anchors. These are things that light us up, that maybe we can build a life of purpose around. So it's important to know what those anchors are. But once we have an inclination what those anchors are, we then have to actually build that life. So I knew for me, communicating was a big anchor. Writing was a big anchor. Podcasting, public speaking, all of those were anchors but when you Google my name and it says writer, that's not because it was something that I was passionate about. It was because it was something I was passionate about, and then I built a life and created around it. I started a blog. I started a podcast. I wrote books. I created this sense of purpose that now carries me into the future because it's all about momentum. And once you have the momentum of living authentically in that purpose and doing those things that define that purpose... It grows. You connect to other people who are interested in what you're interested in. You develop newer projects. You get in a state of flow where just showing up and doing the thing becomes so wonderful that it fills you up and you stop worrying about goals and you stop worrying about outcomes and you just start performing at your best within that sense of purpose. You become your purpose and your identity. And I think that's the goal. I think that's what we're looking for, to get into that sense of flow, to do those important things that we want to spend our time doing it, and to know who we are, and more importantly, what we want. Awesome. I keep things running just for a moment or two to catch the after show as we're chatting. Um, But thank you for doing that. I really enjoyed your book. I mean, I think you know, it, it, so my story is I came to understanding my finances at a point when I had enough. I just didn't really understand my finances. And I was also at this point where I was having trouble with the practice of medicine and wasn't enjoying it as much and wasn't doing the things in medicine I like to do. Um, and <coughs> so I spend a lot of time not thinking about how you get enough money per se, but More importantly, what's the role money plays in our life and how does it allow us to live a better, more purposeful life? And so I really enjoyed reading your book because I think, you know, we're very much aligned in this idea of what money should do for you and how it is in a sense. I call it potential energy, right? It's this potential energy that allows you a tool to do all sorts of things. But yes. above and beyond that, it has mm-hmm. no other importance. And so yes. I love this. I love this more spiritual idea too—that you kind of welcome in the happy energy of money into your life when you do things that are meaningful and important to you, um, and then you can spread that happy energy back out into the world. And money just happens to be one of those forms we do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think you're the doctor. You're the living example. So I'm so proud of you.
0: <laughs> I try. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I try to, to be. It.